Welcome to the Week 10 What We Saw podcast. I am Eric Smith, Editor-in-Chief at QBList.com, and I am joined, as always, by Mike Miklius to recap the week. And heading into Sunday night football, uh, I was struck by how bad of a week this was for the NFL passing games. We saw some uh, disappointing performances in the past couple weeks, but we really saw things escalate this week. Um, this is a list of the quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks, that passed for under 200 yards on the week. There were 11 of them. Uh, Baker Mayfield, 11 for 21, 73 yards. Colt McCoy, 11 for 20, 107 yards. Jared Goff, 14 of 25, 114. Matt Ryan, 9 for 21, 117 yards passing. Russell Wilson only threw for 161. Uh, it, it, the list keeps going. Trevor Lawrence, 162. P.J. Walker, 167. Carson Wentz, 180. Jalen Hurts, 178. Justin Herbert, 195. And Mac Jones, 198, though he did throw three touchdowns today. So, Mike, uh, that's like a third of the league where we're not getting any passing yards out of these offenses. So uh, how are we supposed to play fantasy football if there are no passing yards in our leagues? Yeah, the surprising part is we didn't even have Justin Fields available to be part of that under 200 club. So, like, that's a that's an impressive stat. You know, you're down one of your top under 200-yard throwers. Uh, yeah, it was, it was brutal. Um, I think some of these guys, obviously, we know we're looking at backups like Colt McCoy and guys who should be backups like Baker Mayfield. And guys who have relied heavily on garbage time like Jalen Hurts. And, you know, if it doesn't come through, it's his days are going to look rough. I think we know he's not the future of that team. And, yeah, we're just we're riding on a lot of bad quarterbacks right now. Yeah, it was brutal. Uh, I think Matt Ryan was a reminder. They'd strung together a few good weeks there at Atlanta. But that nine for 27 for 117 yards and two interceptions, I mean, that's as bad of a game as he's played all year. And it was a reminder that the floor can really fall out of that Falcons offense at any time. So uh, a lot of disappointing stuff here. And it wasn't just the bad performances here at quarterback. We had a whopping total of two quarterbacks with 20 plus fantasy points. Uh, this is before Sunday night and Monday night, but uh, Dask, Dak Prescott scores 26 points, Josh Allen, 21 points. Josh Allen was our only 300 yard passer so far. So uh, just a brutal week that has trickle down effects to receivers Really, if you didn't have some of these big running backs this week, you were struggling to put up points. So, uh, as always, a lot to recap this week, but check out QBList.com and our What We Saw article. Uh, We're really going to touch on every single game that we're not going to talk about here. Uh, There were some pretty ugly games this week, so I would not blame you if you did not watch these all the way through. So, uh, let us watch those for you. Check out the article, and we'll get you caught up. So, uh, let's get to our winners and losers. Mike, start us off. Who was your winner for Week 10? Yeah, I went with uh, Dearness Johnson from one of the games I watched. Uh, he's the starting running back today for Cleveland with the injuries and the COVID and whatever else is going on in that backfield. Um, and he really ate up the work. He had 19 carries for 99 yards. The only carry he didn't have went to some guy named Johnny Stanton, who I don't think I've ever heard of. He also had uh, seven receptions for 58 yards, which led the team. And when the quarter, when the starting quarterback only throws for 73 and you get 58 of them, that's that's pretty good. Um, yeah, he ate up the workload, and I, he's not going to take anyone's spot when Cream Hunt and Nick Chubb are back. But while they're out, this is a great team to run for because the offensive line is playing well. You know, they're they're road graders, as they like to say. Um, and I, I would really want any running back starting here. And Johnson has enough pop to make it work. So as long as he's here, he's a great choice. Yeah, Dearness Johnson had every running back snap, so that that one carry was not from a running back, but uh, seven receptions for 58 yards, that's really encouraging, and it does seem like the Kareem Hunt issue is going to keep him out for a while. I haven't heard any updates that he's coming back soon, so Dearness should hopefully have a pretty good role here, even when Chubb is back. I think he's proven enough at this point, so I'd say he's probably worth still stashing on your benches, even uh, if Chubb comes back from COVID this week. Um, A winner for me, Uh, there's an obvious one that we're going to talk about later. Uh, I want to save that for the injury section, but my winner of the week was Mark Ingram for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, If you picked him up on waivers this week, or if he's still out there, um, he should be a big priority. With Alvin Kamara's sideline, he played 57 of 67 offensive snaps. Uh, The big thing here for Mark Ingram was four catches on seven targets for 61 yards. Uh, Also added 14 carries for 47 yards, but um, that's pretty big. He caught five passes last week and rushed for 43 yards. So he even had a little bit of a role before Kamara was out. We really have no idea how long Kamara's out. It doesn't, we don't have any indications that it's major, but we also don't know that he's going to be back this week. So uh, Mark Ingram, if he's still out there, go get him uh, because 
you know, he's really taken over this backfield. He's shown the pass catching ability, and we know the Saints are going to use their running backs. So good things here for Mark Ingram. Uh, Mike, who do you have for your loser this week? Yeah, before I go into my loser, I got to agree with Ingram. Uh, he's one I overlooked, I forgot about, but he looked so smooth on this team. Like, he looked like he never left. Yep. He looked like he perfectly fit into this offense, and he knew his role, and he ran his role really well. Um, I, I think the team's going to have just immense confidence in him. And as you said, as long as Kamara's out there, it's going to let him run wild. Um, my loser, uh, really, you could go with the whole Seahawks offense, but I went with DK Metcalf. So he was in decaf mode today, uh, three catches, 26 yards. And on top of the bad day, he had a play late in the game where he grabbed the face mask of three separate Packers defenders on the same play and was ejected from the game because of it. And then like one or two plays later, he tried to sneak back into the game <laughs> and they caught him and they kicked him out again. <laughs> I I wouldn't be surprised if a suspension's coming because I feel like that whole sequence was pretty bad for him. Um, and again, it, as you said, with all the quarterbacks kind of falling apart today, this was we're bound to see some receivers in our loser list. But Metcalf had a bad day. The deep balls weren't getting to him. And then he lost his cool and just kind of blew up at the end. So, yeah, he's he's a big loser today. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more of that when we discuss this game later on. I will say, I mean, it does seem like he got ejected, and that seems to be enough a lot of times where players avoid suspensions. So as someone who has a lot of DK Metcalf, I hope he doesn't get suspended. <laughs> I I kind of understood it, honestly. That was a frustrating game for him, frustrating game for that offense. I, I kind of understood why he snapped when the game was over. Um, and it was funny to see him back in. If you're counting on some uh, garbage time points, you probably weren't laughing a lot from DK Metcalf here, but um, it, it was understandable. This was a frustrating game for this passing game. So we'll get more into the reasons of why the passing game looked so bad later. Uh, for my loser, I went with Tyler Johnson. Uh, it might be a little harsh calling him the loser, but this was a big chance for him with Chris Godwin banged up. Gronk was out. Antonio Brown was out. Uh, this was a plus matchup against the Washington football team defense that's really struggled. Uh, you could say the whole Bucks offense was a loser, but um, Johnson was a popular streaming option, and he played a bunch of snaps in this one and just caught three balls for 17 yards. So this was a big missed opportunity for Johnson, whether you look at it dynasty-wise or redraft-wise. This was a chance for him to make some plays, and it didn't happen. And, you know, they have some young receivers behind him on the roster, like Jalen Darden. There's a lot of competition in this passing game, so this would have been a nice spot for his long-term outlook to make a make kind of a play in this passing game, but Tyler Johnson didn't do a whole lot. So um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this Bucks passing game, but I was expecting a lot more this week, that's for sure. Yeah, it was a rare Brady fail. Um, he threw two picks before he threw a touchdown, and as we know, he's been killing it this year. So, it, it I mean, unless we see this again next week, it's probably just a blip. I'm sure there's going to be somebody chiming out. He's getting old. He's falling apart. He's too long of a season. But, I mean, come on. It's it's Brady. He's going to be playing till he's like 75. And we're going to be like, I can't believe it. He's probably getting too old, though, and it'll just still happen. Um, yeah. I but, mean, yeah. It, go ahead. Any, any weapon here beyond the big three is just kind of like, all right, maybe in a year, maybe in two years. Um, but you're right. It, this was a big chance for Tyler Johnson, and he kind of blew it. So, Yeah. Man, I mean, I will say the Bucks did lose to the Saints with uh, Trevor Simeon a couple weeks ago, and then they had their bye. Uh, you know, so that's two bad games in a row from the Bucks. But, I mean, the Saints is a division game. That's a tough defense. They're the type of team that, you know, can kind of shut down any offense. You never know. So I don't think it's too much to worry about here. We're not going to talk about this game, but make sure you check out our What We Saw article for uh, more in-depth on this uh, disappointing Bucks performance. So let's get over to the injuries. Um, and this is the big one. It almost doesn't even need any analysis, but we've got to talk about it. Uh, Aaron Jones sprained MCL in the third quarter of this game. Uh, further testing is coming up, but you know, it, it opened up a massive opportunity here for AJ Dillon. Um, he looked good. He always looks good when he gets a chance. So um, what do you, where do we start with this, this Aaron Jones injury? Uh, is, is there any more to it than just AJ Dillon's going to be great? Yeah, just on the severity, um, Jones, was, so it happened in the third or fourth quarter, yeah, towards the end of the game. Um, he was trying to hop off the field on his one leg. He couldn't make it to the sideline, so he kind of went to the ground, was grabbing his knee right away, and was, like, motioning for the trainer. Um, they took him into the tent. They had him back on the sideline, and the sideline reporters said he was crying, which I don't know if that, that was good for her to say, like blowing up his spot, but she said he was crying. He talked to his family right away and he looked pretty down, pretty depressed about the whole thing. So 
I'm guessing this is serious, and that makes A.J. Dillon a league winner. Um, he ate after Jones went out. I counted 12 touches for him after that point, including two touchdowns. Um, Dillon is just going to be a hammer in the end zone, and I think they're not going to get too crazy. They're just going to keep running him straight forward and just hope he piles up a big amount of touchdowns. So, yeah, this is turning Dillon into a league winner. Yeah, absolutely. If he's in your uh, waiver pool for some reason, uh, spend every last dollar that you possibly have on him. Uh, it's going to be massive if AJ or if Aaron Jones misses any time here. Dylan's going to be a league winner. Uh, and also, you know, a lot of people like the rookie running back, Kylan Hill. Uh, he is set to miss the rest of the season with a knee injury that happened a couple weeks ago. So uh, this is a pretty thinned out backfield if Aaron Jones misses any time. And Dylan is the type that can soak up that work. So it, it's a huge spot for him. Um, I don't really think it is going to affect this offense otherwise, right? I mean, he Dylan's looked great. He's even caught the ball well this year. I'm not sure that anyone takes a step back. It's just uh, maybe Dylan is even better than Jones because he doesn't have to share the backfield. Do you, do you worry about anyone else in this offense with this injury? I mean, I know Jones is an explosive player. He's a good pass catcher, but I, I think Dylan can fill his shoes pretty well. Yeah, that's a good question. I think somebody will pop up to kind of become the new Dylan like the new number two here. I don't think they're going to get any severe, like serious work because no one's as talented on this roster as Jones and Dylan. Um, I imagine the offense, I would, I would say it gets a little bit of a downgrade because Jones had more pop. I think he had more big playability than Dylan has. And Dylan has looked good, but I, I think they're going to lose some of the creativity. They're going to be a little more kind of meat and potatoes here where they, they run it. They're a little more predictable, but they're going to be able to do it because Dylan's so much stronger and more powerful. Yep. Um, Patrick Taylor Jr. got three snaps out of the backfield. Uh, he was on the active roster, but you never know when there's an injury, there could be someone else who who comes into play. He may be special teams. I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know a ton about Patrick Taylor Jr. So uh, keep an eye. It is worth keeping an eye on this depth chart behind uh, A.J. Dillon because there's, there's definitely opportunity. The Packers showed today that if they can, they'll just run the ball and milk the clock and, and get a win that way. So um, here's one that I didn't even notice happened until I was reviewing for the podcast, but Corderell Patterson suffered an ankle injury. He did return, uh, but he only played 15 snaps in the game. And this game was such a blowout for the Falcons that we're not really sure, you know, they pulled him again if that was because of the ankle injury or if it was just because of the blowout. So um, obviously huge. Patterson had a down game. He's been so good before this, though. Uh, We kind of saw a shakeup in the backfield anyway as Mike Davis was kind of phased out for Wayne Gallman. Again, we don't know. Uh, how much of that was the blowout. So, Mike, do you think, um, obviously, if Patterson is healthy, we're going to be starting him. But if he misses time, are we going out and getting Wayne Gallman? Are we maybe holding off on dropping Mike Davis? What What do you think of this backfield? Oof, yeah, so just uh, to be fair, I traded for Corderell Patterson this morning in the Dynasty League, so I'm feeling really good about that. Yeah. Um, you know, when you can draft a 30-year-old running back who's never proven anything before, and you can give up a draft pick to do so. Um, I think, man, this is a tough one. I, I'm hoping Patterson's healthy, not even for my own sake. He's just, he's been the most interesting. I think it's going to be messy without him. And we've seen this offense hasn't looked that good. I mean, it's it's looked better than it has today. But I don't trust this offense to do much. Um, you can probably grab just about anybody who has a chance at starting here because of how short running back is but I'm not going to feel good about anyone here because um, they're both downgrades on the top guy who is Patterson. And yeah, there's, there's not a whole lot that's going to excite me there. Okay. We'll get more to those um, other running backs in the backfield when we get to the surprisingly bad running backs we talk about later. But yeah, I would agree with you. That would be a major hit to this offense. They're already without Russell Gage. They're already struggling to move the ball. Patterson's been one of their only reliable players. So this could be a huge hit to an already pretty bad Falcons offense. So keep an eye on that. I hope he's all right. Um, for the Eagles, Dallas Goddard, the tight end, left with a concussion. Uh, we know how tight ends or how concussions can be. Um, probably not a great injury for a tight end either. He, he's very good chance he misses a week. We'll see. Uh, but that's a major part of this Eagles passing game. Uh, we did see Devontae Smith have a nice week. So uh, anything here other than, um, you know, maybe it just adds to the targets we're going to see for Devontae Smith going forward. Yeah, it's just going to give them a little less to work with, and you might see Smith get another target or two otherwise, but otherwise probably won't change too much. Yep. Uh, Ricky Seals-Jones left with a hip injury. He's probably nearing the end of his time anyway, as Logan Thomas, I believe, is going to come off the IR, if not this week, maybe next week. So keep an eye on that. I don't think there's anyone worth picking up 
in that tight end core after Ricky Seals-Jones, uh, but he has been serviceable. Uh, Baker Mayfield, um, he's already been hurt for the Browns. Um, he left with a knee injury. He says he's expected to play in week 11. This game was out of hand. But, uh, you know, it's just we add a knee injury onto his shoulder injuries. Uh, things are really piling up for Baker Mayfield here. So um, I would expect this offense to continue to be hampered in the air. Um, what do you think about Baker? Is this just too many injuries now? Yeah, he's never really that interesting in the first place as far as a player because I think we all know what he is. He seems like kind of like a league average QB, like someone like Derek Carr where you're not going to be super excited to have them on your team, but you won't be surprised if they put up a rare big day. Um, really, it's just a bad season for insurance spokesman QBs because <laughs> you had Patrick Mahomes taking a step back. You had Aaron Rodgers with his whole like wanting out of Green Bay and then saying he's vaccinated and apparently he's not thing. And then Baker Mayfield gets hurt and he's, you know, so if you're an insurance company, I would hold off on QBs for the moment because there's a bad run right now. Man, I bet you've been enjoying these past few weeks, haven't you, Mike, as a Bears fan? This has been uh, (laughs) great stuff seeing Aaron Rodgers getting dragged through the mud here a little bit. Not so bad. Not so bad. (laughs) All right. Um, Yeah, it's just, I, I think it just shows like Jarvis Landry. I mean, in a game where they got blown out, he only gets five targets, four catches for 26. It, this passing game is just a, a near zero right now. So we need a healthy Baker Mayfield to get anything exciting out of this Browns passing game. Um, Jared Goff uh, allegedly strained an oblique late in the first quarter, played through it. We'll get to this game later. He looked horrible. Uh, he says he's fine, though. Uh, David Blow is the backup. I, Blau, Blow, I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name, but uh, he will be the backup in Detroit if Goff misses time. But it sounds like he's going to be all right. But uh, kind of like Baker Mayfield here, uh, it's already a bad passing game. And you had an injury, and it just really spirals. And then a couple names here. These aren't fantasy contributors, but these are major injuries. Uh, Chase Young for the Washington football team. They finally play a good game on defense, uh, but he may have torn his ACL. They're still waiting for news, but that would be a big hit to Washington. He's still been good, even though that defense has been struggling. And then for Pittsburgh, TJ Watt left with knee and hip injuries. Uh, He's waiting an MRI. We'll see on TJ Watt. That would be another big blow as well. So uh, keep an eye on those because pass rush is really what can derail some of these fantasy offenses. And if they are missing, that is going to be huge for opposing offenses. So um, we don't have a ton of, as I said, there were not a lot of interesting games this week. So I wanted to go through some surprisingly good and bad running backs and receivers. Um, just kind of talk about what's real, what's not, and some takeaways we had on these players. So let's start at the running back position. Uh, a couple of surprisingly good games here. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, first of all, for the New England Patriots. I think we all knew he had a big opportunity here with Damian Harris out with a concussion, but he definitely took advantage of it. 20 carries, 100 yards, two touchdowns, even chipped in four catches, which is almost unheard of for the Patriots, you know, between the tackles running back. I guess the question here is, does this buy him more opportunities going forward? um, Or is it just, you know, same old Pat's backfield, we're staying away? Yeah, it, my honest reaction to this, at first I wanted to be excited, and then I thought, like, okay, I know the Patriots. I know what they do. The moment somebody thinks Ramondre Stevenson is their starter, they're going to do anything but start him. Um, I, this just feels like an amazing time to sell him. If you're in a dynasty league or if you can still trade in your season-long league and someone is bought in on this, I would love to move him because I think that's about as good as it's going to get. And I don't love this offense in the first place. So that, that that just feels like a great sell window. Look for somebody who's high on him. I know there's a, there's a lot of people who are big on him as a rookie, mm-hmm. and now the path seems clear. So you could probably get a lot for him. Yeah, I'd be I'd be looking to sell. Okay, yeah, I, I think I agree with that. We do know Damian Harris. I mean, it's a concussion. It's, maybe you get another game of Stevenson as the bell cow, but once Harris is back, it's at least going to be a split. So it probably comes down to who gets the touchdown roll at that point. Um, so yeah, I think I would probably sell high on Stevenson if you can. I agree with that. Uh, We'll talk about this game a little bit more here in a little bit. Uh, Next up on the surprisingly good running back performances, Antonio Gibson. I think we kind of left him for dead uh, as of last time he played. Uh, The the results weren't great from a yards per carry perspective, 24 for 64 on the ground. But this was against a brutal Tampa Bay run defense. And Gibson chipped in two touchdowns, caught two balls. Uh, He played 46 snaps. J.D. McKissick played 28. Jarrett Patterson, who ate into his work last time, only had five snaps. So, uh, do you think this is just you're you're happy you got those touchdowns, but nothing's changed, or did something change here with Gibson, and maybe we got some more hope going forward? 
Yeah, I'm going to feel optimistic. I'm going to feel happy I got the touchdowns, but I'm not too optimistic that the the numbers are going to look better. Um, as we said originally, the big thing was the pass catching, and two catches, two catches for 14 yards is not good numbers. Um, th- those are the numbers that, that frighten me the most. I don't really care about the 24 for 64 so much, but I would want to see like five, six, seven catches. That's what's going to make me feel optimistic. So same thing. If you have somebody in your league who sees the total score output and says, oh, man, Gibson's killing it again. I'm in trouble. I'd look to sell him. Look to move him. Get somebody a little more reliable that you can count on. Yeah, it's a mixed bag here for me. I mean, they they are coming off their bye week, so maybe he's feeling healthier. I'll be curious to see what he says in, you know, post-game interviews. So, I mean, that's one positive here. Uh, But a negative is, like, I mean, this fit perfectly into the game script that you want for Antonio Gibson. Um, get, uh, McKissick's going to see more work in the games they're trailing. They had the lead most of the game and were able to, you know, ground out the clock a bit. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's a little bit of uh, good and bad here. Uh, it's nice that Gibson has a touchdown role and that's always going to be in his game. And I think we can count on that going forward, but this offense also does struggle. So he feels like a player you really need to take a stand on. Uh, if you can still trade in your leagues and you don't buy this, uh, this is the time to trade Antonio Gibson. Um, if you, Hey, if you think that he looked healthy coming out of the, the break and, uh, more good going forward than maybe go out and trade for him. I don't know, but I, I'd make a decision on him one way or another because uh, this could be kind of a turning point in the season, I think. But I, I think I'm with you. I'm a little bit skeptical here. It was encouraging, though, that Jared Patterson wasn't eating into the work. So a little good, a little bad, um, but I'll be very curious to see how he looks against a non-Tampa Bay run defense. So um, let's get to a couple surprisingly bad running backs here. Uh, we could talk pretty much about the entire Tennessee backfield here. Uh, so we've got Jeremy McNichols and Adrian Peterson. Uh, Jeremy McNichols, five touches, 10 total yards, played 16 snaps. Adrian Peterson, nine touches, 20 total yards, played 20 snaps. And we saw Deontay Foreman lead the way with 21 snaps. Um, he had 11 car- carries for 30 yards, two receptions for 48. So he played the best of this group. I do think this backfield's pretty up in the air. Um, They they played a tough Saints defense, so we know it's going to be tough for running backs against the Saints. But uh, are you encouraged by Foreman here? Is he worth going out to get? Or do you think this is just going to be a struggle all year without Derrick Henry? (laughs) I guess my biggest takeaway is you were surprised that a backfield headlined by Deonta Foreman, Adrian Peterson, and Jeremy McNichols played poorly. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think Foreman (laughs) – Foreman is like the eternal flame of fantasy football, right? We, when he was coming into the league, everybody was so excited. Then he had a big injury, and it was like a year later, we're so excited. Then he got hurt again, and it was like, all right, let's just it's, – it's over. I feel bad for the kid, but it's over. I mean, he's going to be the one by default I'm most interested in, but clearly nobody's going to get the Henry treatment. I think everybody in the back of their mind was hoping Peterson would come in and get like 40 carries for like 112 yards and two touchdowns and be like, nice. Peterson's going to look horrible, but get, get, you know, tons of work. Um, It doesn't seem like anybody has really singled themselves out here. If anybody can, it's probably Foreman, but I'm not optimistic. Anybody's going to. Yeah. I was holding out hope that Jeremy McNichols might have a nice game, uh, tough run defense in the saints. So maybe they, you know, get him the ball through the air a little bit more, but that did not happen. They did hold on for the win. So, uh, it's still a good team. They're winning a bunch of games. It looks like they've won six straight now. Um, but yeah, nobody's really separated themselves. They do have the Texans next week. That's a great matchup. Then the Patriots, that's a tough matchup. Then the Jaguars, great matchup. Then the Steelers. So there might be some startable weeks here, but it's going to be really tough to figure out. So I would agree. I think Foreman's the hot hand. He may be worth a roster spot. I think you could probably just drop McNichols or Peterson personally. Uh, it depends on what's out there on waivers. But do you have any interest holding either of those players anymore? Yeah, it'll be roster dependent. I mean, if you if you liked McNichols coming into this one, I think I can still justify holding him. Peterson feels the most droppable of the three. The other two, unless I've really got some depth I'm, I'm good with, I'm probably just holding on to him, giving it one more week. Yep. Okay. And then another surprisingly bad running back. We did talk about this a bit already, but Mike Davis. And it's not so much that we didn't know Mike Davis was toast here, but this was nothing. Four carries, 18 yards, one target. And not only that, but Wayne Gallman played more snaps than him this week. Again, I mean, this this blowout was so bad, it's hard to know exactly what happened here. But Gallman certainly played better than Mike Davis in this one. And this is the first week that we've seen Gallman really factor in. So 23 snaps for Gallman, 20 for Davis, 15 for Patterson, who we said missed some time with injury in this one. So, uh, you know, I think there's a reason maybe to hold on to Davis in some leagues just because 
he was still seeing around 50% of the snaps most weeks. Uh, if something happened to Patterson, hey, maybe you've got a volume back here. But it seems pretty clear, even if Patterson's out, uh, Mike Davis is pretty worthless. So we talked about them a bit up top in the injury section. But anything to add here in this this uh, Falcons backfield? No, I think that covers it again. Just trying to hope somebody emerges again. Hope Patterson's healthy. If not, then hopefully either, either Gallman or Davis just takes the workload and runs with it. Yep. And Gallman, I mean, hey, he's he's been decent in a few stops in his career. So uh, I think he may be worth an ad in some leagues if it's a deep league or if you're really desperate at running back because uh, he at least produced a little bit in this one. And you can't say that about Mike Davis. So he should have earned some more looks going forward. Okay, let's get into some surprisingly good wide receivers. And uh, I don't mean to say that Stefan Diggs having a good week is that surprising, but I think we had all started to get a little concerned. Uh, it had been a few weeks since we'd really seen that upside from Diggs. He goes 13 targets, eight catches, 162 yards, and a touchdown. Um, is I get The big question here, I think, with Diggs is, would you sell high on this, or would you expect this going forward? No, I would expect this going forward. I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think this offense is going to heat up. And I think they're going to get back to normal. Um, a lot of teams kind of like to go for that deep attack. And it helps when you've got like the strongest arm in the league. You're going to do it better than everybody else can. So I think I think Diggs will be back to normal. We, we may not see the crazy season we saw last year, but I think he'll be fine. And he's still at number one. Okay. Yeah. I just, you know, he'd only had one 100 yard game coming into this week. So it's really good to see that ceiling for Diggs with 162 and a touchdown. So uh, definitely encouraging. Cole Beasley didn't play a ton. He was a little banged up with a rib injury. So that probably didn't hurt either. Uh, but there's so much, you know, passing volume in this offense. So expect good things for Diggs going forward. And then um, we'll go to the Pittsburgh wide receiving core. It was an ugly game. We'll get into it later. Uh, but they got so many injuries at receiver, and Ray Ray McLeod got 12 targets, nine catches for 63 yards. He's kind of the player that replaces Juju Smith-Schuster in this offense in the slot. Uh, do you think there's any deep league appeal here for Ray Ray McLeod? Because 12 targets, that's uh, a legit number. I know they threw 50 times, but that's still a lot of work. Yeah, I guess there's minimal. I mean, anybody who blows up a little bit, he's going to have some appeal. Um, deep league, sure, why not? Um but anything besides very deep, no, because he's just too buried. And I don't like the passing here. Um, we know Roethlisberger will be back at some point, and he's looked horrible. Mason Rudolph might be a better option at this point just because he's, his arm isn't just a complete, like, noodle. Um, but, yeah, I, it, it would be minimal, if anything. Okay, yep. And we also had Chase Claypool out this week, so um, we'll see how long he is out. But I don't think, uh, you know, it had been – I don't, I'm not sure if he'd had nine receptions all year. So I thought it was worth bringing up Ray Ray McLeod. I, I think it's some super deep dynasty leagues, things like that. It may be worth adding. Uh, but yeah, he's just a, he's a possession receiver. He's probably not going to move the needle. Um, surprisingly bad receivers. We had a few of them this week. Uh, this is probably just another one we write off because it's the Falcons offense. You shouldn't have him on your roster anyway. But Russell Gage had another goose egg game. I think this is two since he's come back from injury. Three targets, zero catches. He played the most wide receiver snaps in the in the on the roster for the Falcons. So it's not like he was not out there. Um, he'd given us a couple of decent games in a row, and then uh, this goose egg uh, just drop him in all weeks, right? Yeah, you can do with him what you want. He <clears throat> he doesn't really matter to me as far as fantasy goes. Okay, he's disappointing. I, I thought he was going to be way more involved in this, even if it was just kind of cheap dump off passes. I, I thought he'd be okay in PPR leagues, but. Uh, we, we, he's, he's shown no floor, so I'm not sure how we can trust him at this point. Um, Donovan Peoples Jones for the Browns. I certainly saw this one coming. I know a lot of people were hyping him up and adding him on the rosters, uh, but he's a deep play threat with a quarterback. That's not great at the deep ball. So, uh, five targets, one reception, 16 yards. Uh, we should drop him if we added him. Correct. Yeah. Unless you just really need a boom bust flex, because of course he's going to be capable of making a big play. And I think he was close to making a big catch today. But that's the thing, like without that one big catch, it's nothing. And even with that one possible big catch, you're still looking at probably 60 or 70 yards and no score. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. And let's get to the the real interesting one here. A.J. Brown, uh, four targets, one catch for 16 yards, one carry for seven yards is, you know, receivers have these games and we can't read too much into them uh, most of the time. Uh, but I do think it's interesting with Julio Jones on IR, Derrick Henry on IR. Uh, are we reaching a breaking point with this offense where sure they're still winning, they're putting up some points, but there's just too much focus on AJ Brown. Like I, I know he's a monster. He can break tackles. He can make plays, but I'm wondering if it's just adding up and this is going to be trouble until they can get a, a complimentary piece to take some attention off of him. 
Yeah, it, it's definitely going to be tough um, when you are the only show in town. You know, it, it's just it makes life miserable for you. Um, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll we'll see him adjust to it. But I, I think it is something that's going to take an adjustment because all of a sudden that monster running back that you're used to living with isn't there. And now this, you know, future Hall of Fame receiver who's on the other side of the field isn't there. And it's like, yeah, OK, everyone is just staring at you and you've got to make everything happen. I think Brown's good enough to make it happen. It's just going to take him kind of figuring it out. And it might might even take another game. But I think long run, he's yeah, he's A.J. Brown. So he'll be great. OK, <clears throat> yeah, I tend to agree. Um, last week, he saw 11 targets, uh, only caught five for 42. That was against the Rams, though. So I, I think we can give him a pass. He just played the Rams and the Saints, two of the best defenses in the league. So um, I do think it's worth keeping an eye on, but I would expect A.J. Brown. If not, maybe getting up to that wide receiver, you know, two, three overall type range, he's still going to be a wide receiver one, uh, top 12 receiver. So I'm, I'm not too concerned. But uh, we'll see if this offense kind of comes back to earth a little bit here as we go forward, and there's there's more on film with them. All right, well, time to get into the games that we watched. Um, again, please check out QBList.com. Uh, look at all of our write-ups on every game. What happened to the Bucks in more detail? Should we be worried about the Chargers? We're going to cover it all. Uh, our staff watches these games from you know start to finish and, and really goes deep into them. So uh, please check out the article. A lot of work goes into it, and it's really good stuff. Uh, also check out uh, our PL Plus membership. Uh, help support the site. Talk football with us 24-7. Go to pitcherlist.com slash plus to join. Um, lots of good stuff here. And, you know, you give us last minute uh, sit start questions. We're, we're happy to help. Uh, we were we were doing that this morning. There are two or three of us answering most of the questions. So you can get a few different perspectives. So it's always a lot of fun. And as we start getting closer to the playoffs, uh, I feel like the sit start questions get a little more complicated. So a uh, good way to get some personal advice here. Um, so, yeah, let's start out. Uh, Mike, you watched um, just about all this game and it was an ugly one. Uh, Browns lose in New England uh, 45 to 7. Um, was the game as bad as this looked? Let's start with the Browns offense. Was it as bad as it looked for the Browns offense? Yeah, it started off okay. Um, game stayed close. It was 7-7 after the first. And if if you saw the final score, it's 45-7. You know that, all right, after the first quarter, Cleveland fans, you can turn the game off because that's all you're going to get today. Um, the, the Browns offense is good when it can run the ball and when they can control the score and keep the score close and just run, run, run. They're going to be a good team. Um, they have to function a lot like the Titans do, where the run is overwhelming, and then Baker can pass in really advantageous situations. And then in that situation, he can look pretty good. Like that's how Tannehill has made his resurgence. He just gets to throw from play action all the time because Derrick Henry is just an absolute monster. Um, Baker, I would say, really sunk his team. He played poorly. Um, and that's not to mention that eventually he got hurt and was out of the game, but even leading up to that, he just was not playing well. He was making some bad throws. He looked off target. He threw a pick. Um, I was, I was not a fan of what I was seeing today. Um, and again, once they fall behind they're they're in big trouble because they can't rely on Mayfield to save them. Uh, Dearness Johnson ate up the workload as we talked about earlier. Uh, he, he's getting really good blocking, but he also did something with it. So He's a capable runner. He's not at the level of Hunt or Chubb. He's not going to threaten to take either of their spots if they're both healthy. But he's valuable because this is a valuable backfield. I would want to start almost any back in this backfield. Um, and then as, as for the receivers, I said Landry was actually the most interesting to me. We know he can kind of eat up the targets. And if he can get into a groove with Mayfield again, like we've seen in the past, that's where I would want to look. I don't love the idea of starting him. But I feel like if he gets hot, he could be worthwhile for a little bit. So that's kind of what I saw on the offense here. Okay. So, Mike, you're telling me that uh, Odell Beckham leaving, that was not enough to turn this offense around. That that narrative was incorrect. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> knows, uh, if you listen, I'm not a big OBJ fan at this point in his career. But, yeah, you certainly don't get better by getting rid of him. Um, and, again, when your quarterback is just making mistakes left and right, it's it's tough to do anything. Yeah, there are a lot of people saying that Baker plays better without Beckham. And, you know, I, I don't know. That feels like a small sample size sort of thing. So I, I would pump the brakes on that. But they, they probably don't need him because they weren't getting him the ball. But I, I don't think that fixed the offense by getting rid of Beckham for sure. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just wild. I mean, it was a good point, you comparing them to the Titans, because as good as this team looked last week against the Bengals 
And I know the Bengals are not, you know, hey, I'm a Bengals fan. I know what kind of team this is. But (laughs) um, as good as they looked last week and compared to this week, it's pretty wild. So I think that's what's happening with some of these teams across the league, these disappointing performances. Uh, Some of these teams, when they have the lead, are just a totally different team. And if they're down multiple scores, it's, it's different. So this one got out of hand, turned ugly real quick. Um, but, you know, once once Chubb's back, we're playing him. Uh, we talked about Dearness Johnson a couple times, so I, I think we're pretty good to go. I, I think Jarvis Landry, you could drop him in leagues if you have a deep team and you need that spot. Um, he is going to, you know, give you a little bit of a floor every week, and he, he could get a little better here. We just – if Baker Mayfield remains this injured, I, I just have a hard time. I mean, they're almost better off with Case Keenum at that point, so I don't know. Um did you see any – I mean, I guess Case Keenum got sacked uh, three times on 15 dropbacks, so he's probably not the answer here either, is he? <laughs> so it's actually funny. Uh, this is the first game I've watched this year where they, the network just pulled you from it. <laughs> so at, at the, I think it was 35-7, to 7 and they were like, yeah, we're going to find another game that's not so terrible. And I didn't get to see the end of this one. Uh, it, it That didn't figure it mattered too much, but it means I missed most of the Keenum time. Right. Um but looking at the stats, I can't imagine it was anything special. And knowing what we've seen from Case Keenum in the past, it probably backs that up. So, Yeah, I th- they used to pull us a lot more back in the day, I feel like, from these blowout games. I think with fantasy football nowadays, they, they stick with them usually. So I'm surprised to hear that they uh, they moved you on to another game. That's, that's pretty funny. Too. Um, all right, let's get to the Patriots offense here. Uh, kind of looks like a typical Patriots performance. Um, low passing yardage from Mac Jones, 198 yards, although he was pull- pulled early as well because it was – such a blowout but what'd you see from this Patriots offense yeah it seemed like they found what they wanted from the defense and they were able to just keep doing it over and over again um whenever I see these Patriots quarterback days where it's like 19 of 23 and then Brian Hoyer came in and went three of three so overall they were 22 of 26 like super high completion percentage it just tells me that Belichick is seeing what he wants from the defense and he knows he can just keep completing these safe simple passes over and over and over again. And it's going to be great for Jones's career because he's going to build a lot of confidence. Like if he, if there's a big excellent quarterback inside of him, he's going to find it with this team because they, they give him the chance to, you know, make a lot of throws, complete a lot of passes and look good, you know? So you build confidence, you, you build rapport with your receivers and yeah. Um, I would say he's looking like the best rookie QB so far, even better than my, uh, my adored Justin Fields. Um, and I, but as I said, I think a lot of that is scheme. And if you put him somewhere else, like if you put Mac Jones in Chicago and Justin Fields in New England, I'd probably say Fields looked like the best one of anybody because, again, he's got a better coaching staff and a better scheme around him. Um, Ramondre Stevenson, as we said, he ran very well. Um, the question is, will he keep the backfield? And as we said earlier, I'm, I'm skeptical, so I'd be a seller. If you have him on your roster and you can't trade him for good value, and good value, I would say, is minimum an RB2 from somebody. Maybe a low-end RB1 if you package something with Stevenson. But if you can't trade him, I'd still feel happy to start him next week because he's he's the best chance to start here, and he's the best chance to really rack up the, rack up the workload. Uh, and then Hunter Henry, he continues going on his tear. I was looking up his stats, and it's just pretty crazy what he's been doing. Um, it feels like he scores a touchdown every week, and he, he did it again today. Um, so anybody who's got him is just, just loving it. Uh, he had four, four catches, two of those were touchdowns. He's caught a touchdown in five of the six previous weeks. Um, I wouldn't even try to trade him. It's going to run out eventually, but you're not going to get the value you want from a tight end trade. So I would just hold on to him and keep riding it until things fall apart and just hope it rides out the rest of the season. Okay, yeah, let's get into the pass catchers here, but I, I kind of want to focus it to start with the running backs. Uh, so, I mean, it seems pretty clear that Brandon Bolden's still the third down back, right? I mean, he catches three passes on three targets for 38. Uh, J.J. Taylor got some rushes but was not involved through the air. So it looks pretty locked in that it's like Damien Harrison Stevenson on the ground and Brandon Bolden through the air going forward. Does that sound pretty accurate? Yeah, I would. I would say that's pretty fair. Okay, so that means Bolden has a little bit of value, right? I mean, some deep leagues, you could put him in at a pinch at flex. I mean, if he's going to catch three balls and 38 yards receiving in PPR leagues, that's that's got a little value. So looked like they trusted him. They were using him a bunch, right? Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where, let's say, the game, the game scheme kind of leans more towards the pass catching back. We could see a day where Bolden's three carries becomes like five or six or eight, and those three catches could become more like five or six, and we're saying, oh, man, is this a problem for Stevenson? 
you know, in typical Bill Belichick fashion. Okay, rest of the receiving core, I mean, he targeted, Mac Jones targeted, it looks like one, two, three, four, five, six players, I believe, uh, three or more times, um, and the highest was five. So he's really spreading the ball around here. Um, it's actually, I guess, encouraging to see Ramondre Stevenson with five targets. But um, Kendrick Bourne had a nice day, uh, 98 yards and a touchdown. He had a big play. Uh, had three carries for 43 yards, so it was a nice fantasy day. But I'm assuming nobody really stood out on this receiving core to give you any excitement going forward, right? No, nothing enough that I'm going to go run out and want to start him next week because, again, this this just hasn't been a reliable offense besides for Henry, the running back, if you can guess correctly, and then Mac Jones a little bit. Yep. Jacoby Myers finally scores his first career touchdown. Uh, I believe <laughs> that came from Brian Hoyer in garbage time, and it might have just kind of been like, hey, we need to get Jacoby Myers a touchdown here. So I'm not sure anything changed either there. Especially for Myers, he's a volume player. Just four targets. That's that's not really going to cut it. So, um, I, I I think. Do you think that Mac Jones, if he had dynamic receivers, he'd have a little bit more big playability, or do you think he's always going to be kind of a, a a kind of a volume passer as far as fantasy goes? Man, that's that's a good question because we he just doesn't have that weapon right now, um, and we're ultimately off guessing. I think he can. I don't think he's got. You know, we we know he doesn't have a crazy arm, but. Yeah, I think he can find a deep ball. I think he's very Tom Brady-ish, as we've said before. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't say Tom Brady has the strongest arm I've ever seen, but he knows how to use his arm and he knows how to make it work the way he needs it to. So I I think Mac Jones could, definitely. Yeah, and Brady was also, I mean, he's a machine. He got better athletically, I think, as he you know progressed through the NFL. Um, I think his arm got better. He got stronger. Uh, So he's just, he's a one in a million. We'll see if Jones can follow even a little bit of that path but I do think the base is there for a really good quarterback here so um yeah I think that's a pretty good recap of this game you got any last thoughts before we move on to the next one no again with Cleveland it's going to be can they keep the leader keep the game close and for the Patriots it's going to be can they do they see what they like from the defense and can they they're just going to follow that plan so Okay, let's get on to a game that I watched a lot of for some reason. Uh, it was on the, it was the local station, the Bengals on the bye week. I guess I wanted some punishment. So I watched the Lions and Steelers draw 16-16 uh, to 16 in Pittsburgh. Um, it was raining in Pittsburgh, uh, so a little bit of grain of salt here, but these offenses looked horrible. Um, for the Lions, let's start with them. Uh, Jamal Williams was inactive, and Jamar Jefferson, uh, the other backup running back, was hurt in game. So this was the DeAndre Swift show. He played 66 of 71 snaps, had 33 carries for 130 yards, uh, had six targets, which tied for the team lead. Now, those targets only resulted in three catches for five yards because Jared Goff was really bad. But, uh, you know, overall, DeAndre Swift had a massive workload. He got unfortunate with the touchdown luck, um, but a really nice game for Swift. Um, What happened with the touchdowns was Jefferson broke a 28-yard touchdown and a player I have never heard of, Godwin Igbuyuke. Uh, he busted a 42-yard run. I believe he's actually a converted defensive back, I saw. Um, so he busted a long run. And so, I, you know, without those, if they get tackled at the two, I think uh, Swift's back on the field and he's getting a touchdown. So could have been an even bigger day for Swift. He looked good as always. Um, keep keep starting him like you would because he looks like a, a great fantasy asset going forward. Um, I will note that with the rain, I mean, they were just running like crazy. Um, they had 39 carries for 229 yards as a team, but – if you take out the long run for each running back here, and there were three 20-plus yard runs, uh, this was 36 carries for 138 yards for the Lions, 3.8 yards per carry. So it, it looks like a super impressive stat line on the ground, but it was kind of living off of a few big runs here. So uh, probably not much else to get into this backfield, I'd say. It's it's DeAndre Swift, and uh, especially with Jamal Williams out, he's going to get a huge workload. But any questions on any of these Lions running backs? No, I thought your pronunciation of Godwin, whatever that was, was pretty good. I got to give you credit for that one. So, um, but otherwise, yeah, hopefully Swift just keeps the workload and we can just put everybody else here to bed because everybody except for the Detroit Lions coaching staff is just like, please let Swift just take everything. We're done with all these other like schmoes. I I think they're even getting there. So um, there's not much else on this team to, to be excited about. So uh, as far as Jared Goff goes, he was awful. Uh, it supposedly he suffered an oblique injury early in this game and the rain didn't help, but uh, he was barely even able to throw a spiral in this game. Uh, there were drives where the Lions like just didn't pass the ball. I remember one drive, it was like first down run where it got blown up and they lost five yards. And then another run that lost like three yards and it was like third and 17. And they just did it. It wasn't even a draw. They just did another run. They were just like, yeah, 
this drive's over. Let's move on to the next one. So um, they gave Goff nothing. He actually kind of added to his stats in um, in overtime. So it's it's not like uh, it's just he he got to 114 yards with an overtime period, a full overtime period. So it was just as bad as this looked. Um, he almost took a safety. He was sacked four times. He didn't throw a pick, but he should have thrown a couple. So really brutal game. The weather didn't help, but uh, this whole passing game looked really bad. And uh, TJ Hawkinson was, you know, the most affected by it. He played a team high 67 snaps. He ran just as many routes as the wide receivers did, but he had one target, no catches. So we've seen this from Hawkinson. He actually had seen a lot of work lately, but he's had a few complete duds this year. So this was just one of them. He's still a good tight end in fantasy. He may not be that top three tight end. We kind of hoped he'd be, but I wouldn't panic too much. He was out there. This was just a horrible game. And with Goff out there, we're going to see this. But otherwise, I mean, there's no receivers we want here. So I don't even know what else to say about this this Lions passing game. You got any comments? Yeah, it's so <laughs> I think this sums up the Lions offense perfectly. At this end of, at the start of the second half, they scored a touchdown on their opening drive. After that, their drives were Punt, 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 missed field goal, punt, one play to end the game. That pretty much sums up my thoughts on the Lions. <laughs> well said. I'll leave it at that. So uh, let's get on to the Steelers here. I'm sure some people are curious to know how Mason Rudolph looked. Um, ben Roethlisberger's been so bad. You know, hey, maybe this was a step up with Rudolph. And again, the weather was bad here, so maybe we shouldn't judge him too harshly. But Mason Rudolph looked really bad. Um, he seemed like when he tried to put touch on passes, uh, he put way too much touch on them and he just kind of loft them up for grabs. Uh, it's like, he was trying to have some touch on the ball, but just did not have the feel for it and was throwing some ugly passes that he honestly could have thrown more than one interception as well. Um, they let him throw 50 times for some reason. I really don't know why. Uh, Najee Harris had 26 carries for 105 yards and only along a 12. So it's not like it was based on one big run. Uh, but they just let Rudolph keep throwing it, and he only got to 242 yards on 50 attempts. So uh, did not take a sack, but uh, it was it was not a good performance here. And he somehow even looked uh, about as slow as Roethlisberger when he was running the ball. Uh, he had 36 yards rushing, but I would not count on that going forward because he was did not look athletic here. So um, nothing here from Rudolph. You're not uh, getting a little bump if Roethlisberger misses more time. Uh, they need to draft a quarterback next year for sure or sign one. I don't know what they're going to do, but – um, otherwise, a wide receiver, uh, Rudolph has targeted James Washington in the past quite a bit. I believe they went to college together. Uh, but Washington had an early touchdown, but otherwise was pretty much not heard from. Uh, Deontay Johnson, 13 targets, 7 for 83. He did have a bad fumble, though. And then we mentioned Ray Ray McLeod earlier, 12 targets, 9 for 63. Honestly, didn't notice him that much when I was watching the game, so it's not like he was flashing out there. So um, nothing really changes here at receiver. Deontay Johnson's the one you want. And then Pat Fryermuth, the tight end, um, nine targets is encouraging. Uh, five for 31. He had a late fumble that um, I, I don't think they would have been able to make a field goal anyway, but it pretty much ended the game. Um, but I will note that Eric Ebron was playing and did eat into his work a little bit. So I think Fryermuth is still a good start, but he's pretty touchdown dependent and he didn't score today. So it was a bit of a disappointing game. So yeah, I don't know if there's much else to talk about here in Pittsburgh. Um, we'll see in better weather with Roethlisberger back. Uh, but they, I think they need Claypool back because there's just there's no explosive playmaking without him. Yeah, Deontay Johnson is is fun to watch. He kind of reminds me of like if you picture a kid who's like been invited by his dad to help him on a project, and this is the first time he's gotten the big call up from dad, and he's so excited that he just keeps making stupid mistakes, and the dad is just looking at him, shaking his head, like if he wasn't ready, I shouldn't have done this yet. I feel like Deontay Johnson, like you're like, oh, 13 targets, seven receptions. Oh, but game, basically game losing fumble. <laughs> like he always does this. It was the drops. Then it's this fumble. Like I feel like if he can just get focused, man, he could be just a killer. But until then, it's going to always be frustrating when he makes that one stupid play that makes you want to tear your hair out. <laughs> yeah, and he gets open and targets are usually the best sign of talent at receiver. He's always getting targets, so that's a great sign. But yeah, I mean, even on the fumble today, he had a really nice run after the catch, made a big play, and then fumbled at the end of it. I, I've kind of always given him a little bit of leeway on the drops because sometimes I feel like Roethlisberger, it's so much short stuff and he's so off target that it just makes it tough for these receivers. But you're right. I mean, lots of drops, fumbles. He's left games with injuries. Uh, it kind of always feels like two steps forward, one step back. But I'd love to see him with a good quarterback. I, I think he could have a monster year. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. Otherwise, this was just a brutal game all around. The weather did not help, but these quarterbacks were 
pretty bad. So um, let's get to another disappointing offensive game. Uh, we both watched a bunch of this one. Um, Seattle loses in Green Bay. Packers 17, Seattle 0. I guess Seattle should have just stuck with Geno Smith, huh? Geno Smith's better than Russell Wilson? Yeah, we we always knew Russell Wilson was a fraud, and it's finally nice to see the NFL media, big NFL media, finally just admitting it. No, uh, Russell Wilson's excellent. He's he's one of my, I think, one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. Um, but he looked bad in this game. He looked like I think we talked about this earlier. He looked like he wasn't ready yet, and like maybe another week or two would have been a good thing. We were all hyped up about, oh my gosh, he recovered so quickly, and then he played horribly. And it's like, well, maybe he just didn't recover all the way. Maybe instead of like he just tricked somebody into letting him play, and they're like, "Yeah, fine, it's better than Geno Smith." Um, yeah, that is his passes. He still looked like he knew what he wanted to do, and he threw a good ball still, but everything just seemed to float a little bit. His deep balls just took a little too long to get there, and because of that, the defenders were just reading them and picking them off. They took him. They they picked him off twice in the end zone. Um, which I feel like was a Wilson hallmark of his career that he didn't make mistakes in the red zone. Um, and again, it, he throws a nice ball. It just, it looks like it was missing some zip. It wasn't quite what it's supposed to be. Um, and because of that, Metcalf and Lockett really struggled. And I, I don't put too much into that. As I, I think we said earlier, um, when your quarterback just kind of falls apart while the receivers are all going to fall apart too. Um, running game didn't have a lot. That was disappointing for me because this was a close game throughout going into the fourth quarter, it was three to nothing. So Seattle could have run as much as they wanted. And you would have thought with Wilson coming back, they would have tried to run a lot more. Um, so that's definitely a disappointing low number to me, but otherwise uh, good day for Gerald Everett. That's about it. Everybody else was, was pretty bad on this one. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll say Russ, uh, yeah, he did not look right. Um, and you know, it was a cold game. And that combined with coming off a broken finger, it makes sense. Uh, he, he threw some behind uh, behind Metcalf on a couple passes. He had some deep balls. He just couldn't get down there quick enough, I think. A little bit too much air under it, like you said. So uh, he, I, he took some sacks where I think he was maybe being a bit cautious, didn't want to get re-injured. So I think it was a combination of things here. But I, I, he'll probably be fine in another week. But uh, I do think that injury affected him. Um, otherwise, in the backfield, surprisingly, it was just Travis Homer and Alex Collins. 31 snaps for Homer, 30 snaps for Collins. Uh, Rashad Penny, I missed it. I don't. Was he injured? I mean, he's coming off an injury, but I he played last game, and they were using him a decent amount. I'm not sure if he was hurt in this one, uh, but they did not use Penny or DJ Dallas at all. So it was all Homer and Collins here. Uh, but, yeah, still not enough to get anything going here. Um, otherwise, like I, they used Gerald Everett quite a bit in this game. Um, he was heavily targeted, I believe. Well, he was tied for the team lead with eight targets, uh, but he turned that into eight for 63. Everett looked really good. He was breaking tackles. I kind of think it was probably just because, um, one, Wilson did not look good throwing the ball. Two, the line was not blocking well, and they really did not have time to get the ball downfield. So I think Gerald Everett just kind of happened to be the one they could get the ball to in this one. Uh, is that kind of your assessment on him, or do you think he's worth an ad in some leagues? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, between his eight targets and Homer's four targets, it, it the, the likely outcome is just, you know, line was bad, game was going poorly. Let's just get the ball out of his hands quickly and protect our QB. Yeah. I do think that's worth watching going forward, though, because their line was getting blown up. There were a few plays where there really wasn't much of a blitz and there were like four guys in the backfield, and that's going to be huge if they can't get the ball downfield to Metcalf and lock it. So that is worth keeping an eye on, even if – uh, Wilson's healthy that could be an issue but I would expect better days so uh, what do you think of this Packers offense here uh, Rogers was back he looked mostly like himself but it was still a lot of struggles yeah it, this this one was harder to stomach because again the Packers feel like they should have been at full strength here they should have been running well and playing well um, real quick it feels worth mentioning Jones it was confirmed as we uh, as we go here sprained right MCL He's had three other sprains in his career. Uh, the last one looks like it took him two weeks to come back from it. So I, I don't know how he comes back from a sprained MCL in two weeks, but if he can, you know, it shouldn't be too long. But as we said earlier, that should be fire up the Dylan shares uh, full speed ahead. Um, yeah, Rodgers looked like he was playing fine. I'm not going to call it great, but he looks like he was playing fine. Maybe we, we attribute the weather to this too. Um, he's obviously been dealing with distraction. But I didn't see a lot of bad. His, his interception wasn't great. Um, as far as the pass catchers, Devontae Adams was killing it like normal. 
He seven receptions, 78 yards, didn't get a touchdown, but otherwise looked really good. Um, and then as we talked about the backfield, AJ Dillon's going to be going to be a monster here for at least a couple weeks. It looks like. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this happens with the Packers. Sometimes uh, their defense is playing well. They trust their running game. And, you know, I know it was only three, nothing going into the fourth quarter, but they felt pretty comfortable with the game. I think they ran 32 times past uh, 37. So they kind of get into these games sometimes where maybe they could air it out a little more, but they're pretty confident just running the ball, uh, playing possession. I mean, they really kept the Seahawks off the field a ton. So Seattle couldn't get much going offensively. And I sometimes the Packers just kind of get like this and we'll just grind teams to a a win like this. So I don't think there's a ton to worry about here. They're starting to get back to full strength in the receiving core. Valdez Scantling had only one catch, but a a deep catch for 41 yards. So they've got some more complimentary pieces back here. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't really think there was a ton to take away from this team either. Uh, Rogers missed a few throws, had a bad throw for a pick, but otherwise he, he looked like Rogers. So I think we can start the same ones. We always start in green Bay going forward. So, uh, yeah, anything else? Po- yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. To your point, uh, green Bay had the ball for 30, a little over 39 minutes. So they, as you said, they really did just grind away this one and, and they were happy to do that. And it, it was a little scary if you're a green Bay fan, because Seattle was playing poorly and they're losing record. And after three quarters, it's three, nothing. And you've lost your starting running back. So, Green Bay fans can't love winning this way, but you're right. And I think that the coaches were happy to do it and they felt good enough. So, Yeah, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they take it easy with Aaron Jones. I mean, they're 8-2 and two now. Uh, the rest of the division, uh, Vikings are in second at 4-5. and five, So, I mean, they still want to play for the bye week or whatever seeding for the playoffs, but there's really no reason for them to rush back Jones. So, yeah, I think this is Dylan going forward. And uh, I, I've got a lot of best ball rosters where I'm not – not too upset that Dylan's going to have the backfield. Here, that's for <laughs> sure. so, uh, all right. Well, that's uh, that's going to wrap up the games that we paid a lot of attention to. Um, Mike, did you have any just big takeaways, um, other games you caught pieces of, or uh, players on your roster that you want to complain about, anything like that? Yeah, the Lions and Steelers, they deserved a tie. Um, <laughs> yeah. When I got switched off the Browns-Patriots, that's the game I got switched to. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of excited because I was like, oh, it's a close game. This is This is better than 35 to 7. And then I just watched two teams just try so hard to give it away. The Lions missed a field goal to win the game. The Steelers were twice in like field goal position and fumbled it away in a bad way. And yeah. Um, other than that, just just a lot of lack of offense this week. Um, but we'll get Justin Field fired back up next week and the offense will come back with him. So it'll be all good next week for the Bears. Yeah. And I guess I'll have a quick comment on the Broncos offense. Um, they looked good last week, did not look good this week. Uh, Bridgewater is just, he's just so limited. They, they really didn't make any big plays. It's, it's hurting. I mean, Jerry Judy ends up six for 48, but some of that was in garbage times. Cortland Sutton's like disappearing. Um, it's, it's a bit frustrating. Uh, Javante Williams looked really good. Um, the eight for 48 line is a little misleading. He had a couple big runs called back for penalty, but, uh, man, he's still splitting the work with Gordon and Gordon looks good himself, but Javante Williams really looks like he could just blow up if Gordon ever gets hurt. But I, I really do think it's at the point where we're waiting on an injury. So that Broncos offense frustrates me. And I, I kind of got roped back in after they looked good against the Cowboys last week. But uh, I'm kind of regretting that this week. So um, otherwise, um, it's good to see Christian McCaffrey back. I know he didn't get a touchdown, but 13 carries for 95 yards, 10 receptions for 66 yards against the tough Cardinals defense. I know they jumped out on top of them, but um, welcome back, Christian McCaffrey. We certainly missed you. So uh, hopefully he's does, he doesn't get vultured too much by Cam Newton. Uh, Cam Newton played some red zone work and uh, scored one touchdown and threw for a touchdown. Uh, so it was, it was cool seeing Newton back out there. I wouldn't be surprised to see him next week. Did you catch any of that Panthers offense? No, I didn't, but I see that uh, Chubba Hubbard also stole uh, stole a touchdown. So McCaffrey might be in trouble, you know, too many guys coming in and stealing. Yeah, it was pretty brutal, but uh, you'll take those 10 catches all day. So um, I, <laughs> I, I think Cam, I would not be surprised if Cam's out there next week, though, because he looked good. P.J. Walker, 22 of 29, but just for 167 yards. So um, it's going to be fun to see Newton out there. I, I wonder if he's worth a pickup in some uh, deeper leagues because you're always going to have that rushing upside with him. He rushed for a touchdown today. So um, if he's healthy, he's going to be an asset in fantasy leagues for the most part. So. All right. I think that wraps it up. Uh, Again, please check out QBList.com to see all the write-ups. And I will talk to you Thursday night, uh, well, Thursday morning for our Sit Start podcast. Make sure to check out our Waiver Wire podcast coming out Monday night, Tuesday morning. So thanks, everyone. Enjoy the rest of the week.